Folks, let's talk screaming deals, particularly here in Chico. I want to talk to you about The Handlebar. It's a craft beer bar and restaurant that has 28 types of craft beer, German-inspired food, a dog-friendly patio right here on the south end of town, and they've got, dare I say it, the best beer happy hour in Chico, California, which is seven days a week, you get a dollar off any of those 28 drafty crafty beers, 2 to 6 p.m. You didn't mishear me. That's a dollar off any of those beers from 2 to 6, seven days a week. If you've never been to the Handlebar, they are at 2070 East 20th Street, right next to Winco, and they open every single day at noon. Go on down, the Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a podcast or radio show, depending on where you're listening, about the worlds of craft beer and film, and mine is the voice of Max Minardi. And mine is the voice of myself, Johnny Summers. <laughs> Hello. This week on the show, we have our review of Malignant, a new film from director James Wan. It follows Madison Lake, a woman who discovers that her terrifying nightmares of grisly murders, beginning with her husband's, are actually visions into the world around her, and with the help of local Seattle authorities, she hopes to find the person responsible. That's right. So in order to properly unpack such a scary, scary movie, we're going to need at least two drinks. So we'll go ahead and travel 180 miles south from Seattle down to Comus, Washington. Mm. That's right. Beers this week are two IPAs from Grains of Wrath named EGA and Ripsaw. Yeah, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to get to hear a single Grain of Wrath, which is to say our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Malignant. You're missing out on a whole nother beer review, all the spoiler talk and hot and bothered, which is to say you'll be missing out on some gold. A single grain of wrath. Like I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, but if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, like a full podcast, you can check out over 200 episodes of this show going all the way back to when it started in 2016 at any of the following locations. Yeah, you'll have pretty good luck just searching Fresh Hop Cinema anywhere on the internet. But if you want, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, we're on Apple Podcasts if you're an iPhone person. Uh, we drop new episodes every single Friday morning at 7 a.m. And if you like our show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating or a review if you are something of a wordsmith. It helps other people find our show if they've never heard of it before. Absolutely. And if you want more of us, which, I mean, who doesn't? Mm. Follow us on Instagram for photos, Letterbox for film reviews, or just to see what we've been watching this week, and Untapped for beer reviews when we get around to logging them, all at Fresh Hop Cinema, or you can go to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, and if all that's not enough and you want to get in touch with us, we do have an Elon electronic mail address, an email address for the hip folks. It's fhccast at gmail.com. So if you have lots of thoughts that won't fit in the However many characters Twitter is allowing these days, just send us a well-worded email. We'll read it. And if it's an awesome uh, show-relevant email, we might even shout it out on the show. Exactly. You never know. It We might. If it's good enough, we'll read it. Also, Patreon is a fun thing that we do. It's kind of like social media, but it's social media where you give us money. Uh, but the explanation for that is sure. we give you stuff in return. It helps keep the show happening. And also we do weekly bonus content. Last week we did one all about what the heck a key grip does. Yeah. So that was really fun and informative. I had a great chat with Max about that. I learned a lot. Uh, we also do things like top five lists, beer reviews, bonus movie reviews. Uh, sometimes I make promises and then to fulfill them, I watch a movie that Max told me to watch several years ago yeah. and I just and I, you know, just now get around to it, then we review that. So it's really fun. If you're at a certain tier, we do events. We just had a fun bar hang. So you should consider it if you want to just be more involved in the podcast, really. Yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema to get more info. And, and yeah, shout out to the uh, to the folks that came to the bar hang. It was cool catching up with you guys. Um maybe a more important, not more important, but time sensitive shout out to Trevor and Shelby. Thank you guys. It was great seeing you. Um, and, and best of luck on the adventures. That's right. Yeah. It was super great catching up with those two. Haven't seen them in quite a long time. So it was nice seeing them. Without further ado, sir, let's get into beers for the week. You mentioned this is from Grains of Wrath, our first and second beer of the day uh, out of Camas, Washington. What are we drinking first? Yes. I'm so sick of ado. Can we have no more further ado? No please? further ado, please. Good grief. Uh, yeah. So we are going to be drinking, like I said, Grains of Wrath. 
the first beer is called EGA IPA, which stands for Eagle, Globe, and Anchor. And Max is going to explain why in a second. But for now, this beer is 6.8% ABV. It is a straight-up IPA. We're going to be doing two IPAs from this brewery because that's what they're known for. Mm. And I want to see what they have to offer and what they're all about. I do believe we have never done Grains of Wrath on the show so I'm super excited. I picked up beers for this week's episode and next week's episode at Belmont Station in Portland, Oregon, one of my favorite places to shop for beer. So if you're in the Portland area or if you're visiting and you've never been there, you should check that place out. The manager helped me pick out beers for the podcast and was was super knowledgeable and very helpful and super friendly. So can't recommend that place enough. On to EGA IPA. It is going to be a West Coast IPA with flavors and aromas of melon, pine, soft tropical fruit, and papaya, which is a soft tropical fruit, right? Sure. <laughs> um, so I got that off their website. There wasn't a whole lot on there, um, and I, which is also to say I don't mean to let you down. I really wanted to, to rise to the occasion when you asked me to explain Eagle, Globe, and Anchor. Unfortunately, I can't. I just saw that. I believe it was on the untapped page for this beer, and it was just kind of off to the side. Like, that's what I guess that's what the acronym EGA stands for, but I don't really have any backstory, nor did I reach out to the brewery in time, which would have been smart, but alas, here we are. Well, the Eagle Globe and the Anchor is a uh, shout out to the United States Marine Corps. Okay, that's kind of what I was thinking, because as I'm sure we all know, Grains of Wrath is a veteran-owned and operated brewing company, so I didn't want, I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but I thought it might have something to do with the armed forces. Yeah, exactly, it is. It is a Basically, those are the images represented on the Marine Corps or the USMC's uh, logo, their emblem. So this is pretty much just a shout out to Marines. Good. All right. Well, then our review is in no way indicative of how we feel about the armed forces. And I say that because I've just had my first sip, which Uh-oh. wasn't amazing. Have you tried it yet? Mm-mm. Okay. As you have your first sip, what I've noticed is that it does feel old to me. Okay. Getting some of those initial sort of almost cardboardy... Um, yeah, like almost uh, turn past the point of of kind of gentle sweetness into an almost cloying kind of kind of sweetness on the back end. Are you getting any of that? Yeah, this beer definitely tastes old. Yeah, and not I not am, like a little old. We're not like I'm I'm guessing because there's no canned canning date on this, but I'm guessing easily eight to nine months plus. See, mine has a can date. It was oh. canned on five uh, five twenty one. Like I said, about four months plus is what I was going to guess. Is that right? My age, yeah. July, August. Yeah, four, four-ish months. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know if I picked up the one that had no canning label, but like I picked up the one, the Ripsaw, and I remember it being fairly fresh. So I maybe okay. just assumed, but I did not see the one with the, the 5-21-21 canning date. So I might have been a bit more skeptical yeah. if, uh, if I had seen that. But also, to be fair, I mean, four months isn't absurd. You what I'm, what I'm tasting is... Definitely, if it's not indicative of the age, it's it's the make of the beer. Um, but I mean, four months isn't necessarily the freshest, so I, maybe it's a combination of everything happening that is resulting in the flavors that I'm getting. Yeah, no, I think you're you're pretty much on track. It is hard to say how much this beer has fallen off or become bitter, or a little cardboardy because of that time. So, um, but we have what we have, and we have to base it on that. I mean, fresh. I think this beer would probably be better but yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about the experience we're having in front of us i think it's it's definitely gotten into the uh licking an envelope kind of yep. of bitterness like a muddled kind of sad stale bitterness that yeah. is not the most appealing i mean it does have a nice sharp hot presence but it is it's definitely got some time on it and in the spoiled universe that we live in where we drink beer that's like always two weeks old it definitely is kind of a shock to the system tasting something um this old usually i'm much better at uh getting fresh stuff so this is squarely my fault i take all the blame for this beer being this old i don't think you should take all of the blame i think maybe a a fraction of it um but you also went to a very reputable beer place and everything else you've got there was really great so I think part of it was you going out on a trusting limb that most of the stuff in their inventory would be relative. And this is relatively fresh, I guess, but, you know, could have been fresher. Totally. But it is what it is. Max, is it a good beer? I don't like it. No. Do you like it's, it? Would you call no, it a good it's, beer? It's really sharp and crunchy around the edges. It's just, it's kind of a really like piercing drinking experience. Yeah. Uh, it's not like super crisp. 
or bright or any of the flavors that they said in the description, unfortunately. So, um, you know, I have to judge what's in front of me, but the fact is this beer is a little too old to be ideal or anything close to it. So it's, I think it's going to be a miss for me as well. Yeah, I'm. I was hoping because so I've I've had about two, two and a half maybe real drinks, and and I was hoping to find some silver lining for like, maybe there is this little bit of like maltiness that I wasn't picking up the first time, but unfortunately, and I hate to be a downer like this, but I, it's, so yeah, I'm hoping to chalk it up to age, but there's there's almost nothing uh, redeeming in in the version of this beer that I'm drinking. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you, man. It's it's kind of a bummer, and I wish I would have noticed and got something fresher from them, but. As the case may be, I mean, this review is going to have to have an asterisk for sure that this is, doesn't reflect a fresh beer. But I don't know. For me, it's like a like a three point eight. Oh, that's seems really high if you count five as middle of the road. Yeah, for me, it's like I mean, three point eight. Like it's still drinkable. Like I've had worse beers served to me at a bar. Okay, I don't know if that's saying something, but like it's still drinkable. It's not a drain pour by any means. It's just you know by my own admission, I'm very spoiled when it comes to beer yeah. and I'm like very choosy, but like just looking at this objectively, like would I pour it out if someone poured it to me at a party? Probably not. I would nurse it and maybe drink half of it. I wouldn't drain pour it all. Um, but objectively it's, it's not a drain pour, but like by my standards, it's, I wouldn't buy it again with this date. That's for sure. You going to finish what's in the can? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Are you going to finish what's in your glass? Yes. Yeah, I think I'm there too. And I do like it less than you. I don't really have too many redeeming factors for it, except, and if I don't even know if this counts as a redeeming factor, but it's not undrinkable. And the only reason I think that should be a barometer is that over the past almost five years, we've had a couple that are undrinkable. Yes. So I was tempted to throw out a one for this, a one out of 10, but but it's not because I can physically drink it without gagging. <laughs> Yeah, which um, if they're not using that on a promo poster somewhere, they should be. You can drink it without gagging. So <laughs> enjoy. Um, so it's like, you know, a two for me. I'll give it a two. Feeling generous. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And yeah. And again, that's like a that's a, a 3.8 and a two with a heavy asterisk that this beer is five months old almost. Yeah. So if you can, if you do happen to see it or you're in the area, certainly near Portland or Canvas, Washington or any of that, like try to find it. Check the date. Give it a shot if you can. And let us know what you think, which is to say, sir, I've basically, I think, uh, exhausted my thoughts on this. Do you have anything else? Nope. I think that's it, man. So once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get a chance to try E-G-A-I-P-A, we want to know what you think. So reach out. Yeah. Again, you can send us an email at fhccast at gmail.com or like Johnny said at the top of the show, you can find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. And if you're really feeling kind, you can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a very long way. In the meantime, we're going to play you a trailer for a new horror film called Malignant. If you haven't seen it in theaters or on HBO Max yet, don't you worry your pretty little heads because we're not going to spoil it till much later in the show. And we'll be right back after this trailer. When I was young, something happened to me. Stop saying that. Daddy, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Whatever you went through before you joined our family, it hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. You created him. Daddy, what's going on? So that you could survive. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, and maybe you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM. You can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear this discussion in its entirety. It'll be available tomorrow, Friday, morning at 7 a.m. Johnny Summers, remind people what they just heard. You just heard a trailer for Malignant, the new movie from director James Wan that just came out on HBO Max and in theaters. And thus, I will read you a synopsis. Paralyzed by fear from shocking visions, a woman's torment worsens as she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. Yeah, it's a film by James Wan who directed a lot of the Saw films, The Conjuring, Insidious, a few of those chapters. And since no sort of pulpy horror film director would be complete without a superhero movie under his belt, he also directed Aquaman a couple years ago. This film has a screenplay with Kayla Cooper based on a story by James Wan, Kayla Cooper, and Ingrid Bisu. Johnny Summers, tell me the, uh, the the main players in this film. 
Yeah, so we had Annabelle Wallace as Madison Lake, McKenna Grace as a young Madison, a.k.a. Emily May. We had Maddie Hassan as Sydney Lake. We had George Young as Detective Kekoa Shaw. We had Mikol, Brianna. Is that right, Mikol? Yeah, you got so caught up on Mikol, you pronounced Brianna as Brown, but I'm with you on Mikol. I said Brianna. Did you? Yeah. Then you're two for two. Mikol, Brianna. White. Three for three. As Detective Regina Moss. Yeah, and the, the, the last two you said are sort of the detectives that start discovering these murders that, that Madison has seen in her vision. And it begins with her husband. Uh, she has a home invasion, and then all of a sudden she wakes up and finds that her husband has been murdered, and then she also gets attacked and ends up in the hospital, and the movie kind of unfolds from there. Um, it came out in the U.S., at least, in theaters on September 10th. Also got released to HBO Max and it's going to run there for an entire month. So if you want to see this and you have HBO Max, you can do that through about the beginning first weekend of October. And this runs an hour and 51 minutes. Johnny Summers, we pivoted last moment, almost last moment for this one. We were going to watch The Card Counter, the new film by Paul Schrader. It unfortunately didn't make it up to Northern California in our area. So you were like, hey, there's this new horror film. You are the resident horror nerd on this podcast. There's a film called Malignant. I trust the the pedigree of the director. So maybe we watch that. And I, without watching a trailer, just kind of said, sure, let's do it. Time is running out as Muse would put it. Um, so we did it. And I have to assume you were ex- ex- excited for it or were you just like, eh, that's something it's horror. Maybe it'll be fine. No, I'd seen a couple trailers and actually read a couple very preliminary reviews just about the general viewing experience of this movie. And it had it had been called like the most unsettling or most unique viewing experience of the year, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, that's intriguing. And again, with the pedigree of the director, I figured it was worth a shot. Plus I'd seen a couple trailers and it looked intriguing uh, and I had a little bit of hope. So yeah, I, I said, Hey, this is a good alternative and it, it worked out and I'm always down for a scary movie. It is almost spooky season. Like it basically is. So I'm I'm here for this. Was it the most unnerving movie experience of the year for you? Mm. I guess that's tough, but but like, was it an unnerving film experience at all? Yeah, it definitely was. There was some some high tension. I really liked the the scares and some of the drama, and a lot of the the scares and the tension in these types of movies can become predictable and formulaic, but. They kind of mixed it up a little bit. I mean, there's that trope in horror movies where, like, the music's building to a crescendo. Sure. Something spooky's about to happen. It's, you know, you're telegraphing your jump scares. And it's really a bummer when that happens, like, the whole movie and you, like, never once get scared. You're like, the yeah. music's telling yeah. me I'm about to be scared. So I liked that they they kind of mixed that up a little bit and didn't necessarily do that every time you expected them to. So I wouldn't say it's like the most unsettling thing I've seen all year, but it was it was an interesting viewing experience for sure. Yeah, there's a movie that came out. We just talked about this uh, recently, but it's the it's the scary movies with the projector. Oh, The Conjuring? No, it's um, you know, I think Ethan Hawke was in one of them, and the kids are possessed by some spirit that that gets into them by like making yeah. them take pictures. Sinister, sinister. Thank you. There's, a, I love those movies. I do too. And one of the reasons is because they don't often use the sort of predictability jump scares that you just described. I remember in one of them, there's a scene where we're just kind of looking at a nonchalant like kitchen, and there's somebody doing dishes, and then without any music cues or anything, just like a little kid in a newsboy paper hat just kind of walks outside, but he looks almost desaturated like he's from the past. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see it, you you won't ever catch it. But when you do see it, it's terrifying for, for almost the exact reason that it's so sneaky. And, and so to get into my thoughts briefly on this is like, there is a lot of that sort of telegraphing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit this movie was tough for me for like the first 30 minutes because it feels really unoriginal. And I think that's partially due to James Wan sort of playing with a lot of these genre conventions, not just his own stuff, like the conjuring and insidious and all that, but like some eighties horror vibes. Like it's got a really sort of B movie vibe to it, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it combines a lot of things. And I think that with that in mind, those, those make it more than it was. The sum is, is some of the parts is what's the, why can't I think of that phrase? Greater than the sum uh, of its parts. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, because a lot of the stuff he throws in is stuff we've seen before. But I think the way that it eventually comes together uses a lot of those conventions to make something, if not totally new, at least a new take on some of it. Yeah, I agree completely. I think 
This movie definitely played in the sandbox of 80s B-movies and uh, creature features and a lot of, you know, practical effects and, you know, stuff like that. And I think it didn't lean on some of those tropes. I feel like those almost were included as like an homage to the genre, kind of like writing your own love affair to the genre of horror by like shouting out all these funny things. Also, don't let me forget to mention there were not one, but two references to Seinfeld in this movie. Oh, nice. Double so, Seinfeld um, in a horror movie. Okay. Didn't expect it. They both happened. Um, but overall, I thought this movie was really fresh and like it did have elements of classic horror, but again, I think they were more of an homage and I think they kind of springboarded off of the back of that and it had really unique ideas. The whole premise was super unique and there was kind of like a, um, a cliffhanger, not cliffhanger, but like a big revelation, like in a lot of horror movies that you're like trying to figure out what happens. And then they really pivot kind of away from what I expected to happen. Like I thought I had this movie figured out in like the first hour. Yeah. And then it totally took a left turn and absolutely surprised me. So I applaud it for its its originality because that's so far and few between from horror movies these days. I mean, if you're not, it's not a remake. It's like terrible lately. I mean, the the list of good horror movies is short. Uh, let's put it that way. So to see it come out like this and be original and have some fun ideas, you know, some of the acting was a little flat and definitely had that '80s cheese. I think we spoke about that before we recorded yeah. and. Some of that was kind of hard to get past, but like once you really just wrap your head around that they're just leaning into the B movie genre, like he made a B movie in 2021. Deal with it. Like this is what it is. Uh, and once you get past that, you kind of let that go. Like you're not going to get Hereditary and Midsommar out of this movie. It's it's not nearly the level of writing. So it relies on you know a lot of fun, crazy violence in the the third act of this movie too. And I feel like the payoff of that is. Um, is worth the maybe bit of a trudge through the the first act and a little bit of the second act. So overall, I was pretty positive on it. It startled me a few times. There was a bunch of yell out loud moments. I know I, I popped in on you to drop off beer and I heard some yelling out loud. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, but maybe not in the way people might think if they haven't seen it. Though if you have seen it and you're, I bet you the people that have seen this and are listening now are like, yep, I did. Yeah, but it's really hard to talk about this movie without and say anything basically past the hour point and not yeah. give things away, which I think is the way to go into this movie. Yeah, exactly. I think you should go in a little bit blind. So I won't share more than that, but I think the bottom line is, is I liked it. I didn't love it, uh, but I really liked it. I thought it was very original and I like being surprised by movies, specific, specifically horror movies, just because I'm such a fan of the genre. So some new original ideas, really fun, refreshing to see. Yeah, I think you mentioned, and I think you might take this back, but you said there aren't these. I think you said there aren't a ton of, of of good horror movies, which I don't think is true. There's not a ton of amazingly great groundbreaking horror movies. I think there's a there's a pretty good amount of good ones. There's obviously a ton of bad ones, and you and I both I think share the sentiment that what makes a good to great horror movie is when it achieves its goal of unsettling its viewers. And also has something larger to say than maybe just your typical slasher would. Yeah. I mean, and for me, it doesn't even have to have like more to say. It just has to have like good acting and like good writing. That's just not super cliche. I mean, I feel in my mind, you can be a good horror movie and not a good movie. Or you could be a good movie and a bad horror movie. Okay. Very rarely does that Venn diagram intersect and you have a good movie that's actually a good horror movie. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, actually. And speaking of, I mean, because jumping back to like the 80s camp vibe, and I promise I'll bring this back around to what I started talking about here, but um, the dialogue in this is one of the reasons I had a hard time kind of latching on because I didn't necessarily know that it was as self-aware as it became, or at least as self-aware as I caught on to it being. And mm-hmm. in particular, the opening scene, which when I started it last night with my wife and a friend, we actually turned it off. And I we turned it off because I knew they weren't going to, be here for it. And I could watch it myself. Um, yeah. but it's very soap opera-y like, and even the camera working in tandem with the dialogue just really lends itself to feeling cheesy and over the top and, and not scary bordering on comedic. Mm-hmm. 
which is also to say there are some comedic moments in this movie that work pretty well. Um, but some of them are unintentional or at least would appear to be unintentional. But now knowing what James Wan was going for are clearly very intentional. Like the entire, I don't know, it's maybe like three and a half minutes of a prologue scene takes place at a hospital and there are over the top practical effects. There are close ups that like ramp zoom into people's faces and they're basically like throwing their hands on their cheeks and just going, Oh no. And then it zooms in. It's like bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think to some extent supposed to be funny. And getting back to my point about there being good or great horror movies, I don't think this is one that by my barometer has too much to say about the world or about horror movies in general or, or the nature of people or whatever horror movies can do. But it does, like I was saying earlier, sort of combine these different elements from, from decades of different types of horror movies. And, and it's not necessarily making it something new, but it does tell, I think a pretty familiar story kind of, uh, in a pretty interesting way. And part of that is the pivot you were talking about, about, you know, um, what do we say? This is uh, an hour and 51, just shy of two hours. It's got to mm-hmm. take place like 45 minutes to 50 minutes into the movie where you're like, oh, we're not only watching sort of a grisly murder mystery film. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I also think that's the point in the film that could be most divisive because if you find yourself liking that beginning 45 minutes, it definitely changes. And you yeah. might, it might lose you. But for me, it was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, like, let's see where this goes. And I was like, okay, I was very much more excited to watch definitely the last half than the first. I think I agree with that completely. Um, that is a dicey sort of ground to tread though, that, that tonal shift between the, the murder. Cause this is a very gory movie too, in, in a lot of mm-hmm. ways in the 80 camp kind of over the top. Um, yeah. Sam Raimi, uh, evil dead kind of way. Yeah, but still, it's still kind of played as this gritty, intense, often attempted scares kind of way. And then when it shifts to the second half of the film, which is a, a very much a different tone, it's just it's tough to pull that off. Not a, a lot of people don't even try, um, much less succeed. And I think James Wan did a good job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the tone with like the subtle comedy, it's almost like Sam Raimi and David Fincher had a baby. Yeah, and that's uh, that yep. baby directed this movie. Yeah, totally. I um there's there's we could talk about the two detectives that kind of come in and out throughout the movie. Um their characters are again uh Detective Kakoa Shaw and Detective Regina Moss, which are like Regina Moss is to, in my brain like a very very detective name. Like I'm Detective Regina Moss here to crack mm-hmm. the case. Um like they could have lent to a sort of Fincher grittiness, but almost worked as a comic relief duo at times. Yeah. They were almost slapstick. Yeah, totally. Um, there's a great chase scene with detective Kokoa Shaw played by George Young, where there's one form he's like, I must be out of my mind. And he jumps a couple stories and lands on a dumpster. And that turns into a pretty good chase. And like, this feels kind of actiony. And that's the part that to me felt almost Fintry, like almost seven kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You got any more thoughts on this? You want to rate it? What are you thinking? Uh, I did want to, it's not spoilery, so I'm going to list the uh, Seinfeld references. Oh, sure, yeah. And also, like, while we were watching it, I was like, that's a cool name, Kakoa. Is that, like, I thought maybe it was Japanese at first, because he definitely had kind of a, could have been, like, Asian look to him, but it's actually uh, a Hawaiian name. Uh, Yeah, that sounds, yeah. Yeah, Kakoa means the warrior or the brave one. Ah, that's cool, yeah. So I thought that was dope. I'm like, that's kind of a cool name. Yeah, that's actually great to know. I was actually just looking up uh, George Young as an actor. He actually hasn't done too, too many movies, which I enjoy because a couple of the characters, not the characters, but the actors in this hadn't done too much work, which is always nice to kind of suspend your disbelief about, yeah, this could just be a real character and not, you're not seeing Brad Pitt and you're like, oh, it's Brad Pitt pretending to be a detective. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. George Young is a British actor. Though there are a lot of um, Chinese references in his name. So I think he's part Chinese. So I don't think you were totally off. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway. Seinfeld cool Hawaiian references. Name. Oh, yeah. So there were two. Uh, one of them is the uh, the kind of, um, I don't know if he was overweight. He was like a little portly fella that did the, um, what do they call that? Cut out the Seinfeld reference. face in the caricatures. Sketch, sketch artist for okay. the police oh, department. Sure. Yeah. Right? That's what this is. Yep. Yeah. Um, But his name was Bosco, and that's a pretty famous Seinfeld reference reference because it was Costanza's uh, pin number that 
uh, Kramer guest. Okay. Do you remember that scene at all? Oh no, I didn't, like, I didn't do. Uh, I didn't do Seinfeld. Oh, that's what's wrong with you. Well, I don't know if you could boil it down to just one thing, but I'll take that. Probably. Sure. Yeah, it's coming to Netflix in October. You should watch it. I am going to challenge you on that one though, because Bosco, I think more famously, is this famous cartoon character that was that was sketched out by um, I don't know who did it, but this is like back in like the nineteen, I think twenties, thirties, something like that. Uh, a very like very not super famous. Like I don't, I don't think I could name anything that I've seen it in, but I know that that's what that was, mm. but it could be, but that's probably what Seinfeld was referencing. Maybe. Well, well Bosco was also like a chocolate drink in the like mid nineties. Oh, all right. Uh, and that's what George was. He did it. Yeah. It was a whole episode. You'll have to, you have to watch. You've seen, and you know what I'm talking about. You're giggling right now. And also the scene, um, there was one scene in the movie where someone has like a really bright red light shining into their room. Uh, yeah. Is it the, uh, the guy across from the apartments? Yeah. Yeah. And there was a whole episode on Seinfeld where they put up like a chicken shack right across the street and they had these like <laughs> bright red lights and they were like tanning people. Okay. And it just, it was like, it almost, I almost laughed out loud because I'm like, that's so obviously like calling out that episode of Seinfeld. It made me really happy. Oh, nice, man. All right. Well, on that note, sir, why don't we give Malignant a rating out of 10? All right. Out of 10, this feels like, uh, like a, ooh, it's right between a couple numbers. You go first. I got to think about it's, this. It's a solid seven for me. I, I'd yeah. probably watch it again. I, I'd be willing to bet that James Wan is a, is a talented enough director that if I watched that first half again, knowing what I know now, I bet you it would land differently. And and probably better somehow. So seven. Yeah, for I was me. okay. I it's respectable. I was between like a six eight and a seven two somewhere okay. in there. But I, I feel like it's more of a seven two. Seven point two. It's a pretty good rating. Um. Okay. You got anything else on Malignant for now, or do you want to just save nope. our thoughts until the danger zone? I want to get to the danger zone so we can spoil it. So. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. Malignant is on HBO Max and in theaters right now. If you get the chance to see it and have thoughts that are hopefully your own, find us on social media <laughs> at Fresh Hop Cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. Or just put those little fingers to work. Head to our website, freshhopcinema.com, for film reviews, beer reviews, and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, thank you for listening. The full-length version of today's conversation with spoilers, our second beer review, plus the ever-titillating hot and bothered section, will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. wherever quality podcasts are found. And to all of our podcast listeners, we'll be right back to talk spoilers about Malignant in the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. It's part of the show where we spoil the movie. We're assuming you've seen it or you're not interested in seeing it so spoiler alert for malignant where do you want to start huh well i mean we started the twist that was the best part yeah let's yeah let's talk pivot so like we're we're neck deep in trying to figure out who this murderer is who is who is is it daniel gabriel gabriel thank you um very quick ghoulish figure uh and then shit goes from there who who is gabriel johnny Gabriel is our main character, Maddie's um, tetra tetratoma. Was that the phrase? Something like that. They were, she, he was like a malignant twin that yeah. grew out of her back. Um, yeah. Now, see, I kind of put it together at the beginning, like the first act, because when the doctor said, cut out the cancer, like, right. I was assuming maybe they were like joined at the hip or something yeah. and the, she had like an actual twin that was doing all this and they were somehow psychically linked totally. or something yeah that would have made a little sense this uh went further this is better wilder <laughs> and in my opinion better than yeah. that would have been yeah so like yeah like man they cut that thing off of her back but then there was a bunch they couldn't get out so they just shoved it into her skull and closed it up and called it good yeah, so they wrote the the Dr. Weaver, the surgery, the surgeon that uh, performed this surgery. And if you read the Wikipedia page of the, the plot of the movie, it says that um, you know, during their investigation, Sean must discover a photo of Madison as a child in Weaver's house and learn that she specialized in, quote, child reconstructive surgery, which feels like a weird way to phrase that. Like maybe pediatric re- child reconstructive surgery sounds weird. 
Yeah, you say child, it sounds so much more creepy. But they say it in the movies, she's a child reconstruction surgeon. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's just creepy by itself right there. Um, and the, maybe you're thinking, if you haven't seen the movie, like, okay, like, she's been raised by these parents. She's probably being weird as a kid, which she is. She has this imaginary friend. How do her parents not figure this out? Well, she was adopted, and the mother never told them that she had this medical condition of another person attached to the back of her brain, Voldemort style. Yeah. Which, when that reveal happens, is is a pretty cheesy music cue, but also a very disturbing image. Like it's cause it's not just a Voldemort face. It's like the back of her skull is like protruding and there's this little skeleton. He doesn't even have like skin. It's just like a skeleton with little claw hands, just kind of flailing about when she's a child. Yeah. When she's a child. Yeah. And then there's like, we got to chop it off. So they like slice off every part of Gabriel without ki- like as much as they can do without killing him. Cause that will cause her brain damage and literally mm-hmm. just like push his face into her skull and close it up. And it, of course that's what awakens him is that her abusive husband smashes her into a wall and then mm-hmm. it like rips him out of his cave, like Shang-Chi and the soul sucker dragon mm-hmm. breaks out. And he's like, I'm free to murder. Yeah. Woke him up. All the people that wronged me, which is like, that yep. kind of makes sense from his mm-hmm. perspective. Honestly. Yeah. And how about the scene in the jail cell when we first, discover that oh. he's just living in the back of her head and he emerges. Yeah. So these like cartoonishly uh, drawn and mean women in this jail cell are like, we're going to fuck you up. You weirdo. What'd you do? You get in here, skip your yacht club parties. And then whatever she gets beat up. And then Gabriel's like, no more. And then, yes, she sort of like grips the back of her skull and rips the skull open. And then he squeezes out like he's being born for the first time. It's, it's very bothersome. That scene is. <laughs> It was so rough, dude. Really gross. That was the first scene. I was like, "Oh my I, I god!" Like, oh no! Like I don't know. I guess like that's part of that's that's the scary part of this movie is like having to watch that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That physical horror was just like super intense. Cronenberg, like, honestly, really well done too. Yeah, like totally. And the way all of her bones shifted, that was like super unsettling because obviously this monster is using her body, but it's like in reverse. Yeah. So like the hands just kind of shift around and all the knuckles go. There was just a lot of gross like squelches in the in your ears and it's just. Yeah, actually, uh, during that chase scene that I mentioned earlier between Gabriel and um, Kakoa Shaw, there's it's the first time you really see the body work in reverse. It's a that's a really cool effect that they did because it's it often does like a crab walk. Because, like, his face is on top, but she's doing the opposite, and then he runs backwards. It's really interesting, um, and that's a that's a cool concept and, and executed, I think, pretty well. Yeah, I thought that was really kind of fun to watch. And then just the way he, like, fought while he had control, it was really weird and creepy and moved weird. It was, it was interesting to look at. I don't totally understand the superhuman strength part of this. Like, I don't get... The, like the, why is the electricity a thing? Like, cause, cause James Wan, you think, yeah, like conjuring insidious, like there's supernatural things at work. And mm-hmm. that was never made clear in this. Like there's, there wasn't, there was like a mention, like she used to call him the devil, but he's not the devil. So like, how is he communicating through radios and why are the light and what's with the superhuman strength? That didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, they hinted at that at the very beginning when the, what was it? One of the nurses or somebody in the, the psych hospital yeah. was saying that like, it's like he drank electricity. It was weird. Yeah. So they, they alluded to it, but there was definitely no explanation given. It was just kind of like, okay, this is what he can do. Yeah. It definitely felt more like a, a mad scientist experiment than any type of demonic possession. Yeah. But the fact that they, he could just like take over your cell phone and talk to you through it. It definitely, it's like, is this thing supernatural or is he real? Because if you think about it, it seemed now, okay, here's the thing. Okay. I just realized I was like, why is it that the detective Kakoa is Mm -hmm. having to like hand to hand combat this thing. Mm -hmm. But when in her house for the first time, it's like a shadow and he's just like, flitting in and out of reality yeah and then i realized that's because (laughs) she is not physically there and we're seeing things like through her perspective where she's like stuck because she's actually the monster okay sure so there's like a perspective shift like he can't actually do that but that's what in his her brain 
Gabriel is making her see. Yeah, totally. But which and I was like, whoa. Yeah. To your point of about the hand to hand combat though, there's a point where it's in that I keep coming back to this chase scene, but Kakoa finds this murdered dude in the bathtub. Gabriel's still in there. Gabriel slash Madison is still in there. He tries to shoot, misses three times, keeps trying to shoot is the main point. Around every mm-hmm. corner, boom, gunshot. And then finally gets him like like basically point blank and punches with the gun. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was just like, Mwah. why would you shoot now? You could punch him with the gun barrel and then miss in a few moments. Obviously, so that's the move. <laughs> we need this movie to keep going. Yeah, it was great though, and also like yeah. I guess because later on Gabriel does get shot and is kind of okay. Like can clearly take a lot of beating, so there is something about this person, at least when it's being controlled by the Gabriel side of things, that is is not totally uh, mortal. I'm not sure the right turn of phrase here. Yeah, I don't either. Um, more than a person, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you would call that. Um, last thing I want to talk about is sort of the final scene. Gabriel and Madison, under the control of Gabriel, end up in the hospital bed where his mother is, the mother that gave him up for adoption and presumably allowed him to be killed during surgery. And also Sydney's in there, their sister, adopted sister, and flips the bed and is about to shoot her. And then we see uh, in, in a green night sort of flash or flash forward what could happen. We see mm-hmm. Sydney die and then him smother the mom whatever. And then that didn't happen. And then there's like a battle in the mind of the two of them going at it for like, who's going to take control of the body. Yeah. How'd that work for you? It felt silly, but silly in inconsistent silliness with the rest of the movie or, or unnecessarily changed the vibe. Was it, was it a good ending for you? Uh, it definitely went above and beyond the silliness that we had seen so far, like literally putting your demons into a mental prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just felt um, the whole last like 15 minutes of this movie felt a little different and like, uh, epic, almost like a storybook finish, especially the dialogue in the last like five minutes mm-hmm. was just so cheesy. I mean, it was an interesting visual metaphor for, you know, locking up your demons and controlling your own brain, but it felt, a, it did feel silly. Yeah, I liked it. I, th- I mean, like, I don't know what it reminded me of. I think partially that scene with Dumbledore and Harry Potter when they're, and they see, like, keep coming back to Voldemort, obviously. And I've said his name too many times on this episode to feel comfortable. But, like, the scene where he's, like, a squirming little baby worm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking Like, the last Harry Potter movie in this sort of, like, yep. nexus realm of purgatory. And they're both just talking because Dumbledore is dead, but he's not. Like, mm-hmm. that suspended reality. Like, that's kind of what that felt like to me. And I'm a big fan of, like... Yeah, I mean, clearly it's an on-the-nose metaphor for for staring down the things that are making your life difficult in whatever ways that is. But I thought it was kind of nice. Okay. I mean, if it worked for you, yeah. It, it didn't not work for me, but it was just – it definitely felt the cheese factor got turned up at the end. But, I mean, though, if one – you know, on second watch, this movie would probably be cheesy front to back. And I just yeah. wasn't yeah. looking for it as much. But – uh yeah, I think it was it was fine. It wasn't a terrible ending. It was just, uh, it was fine for me. All right, Johnny, then per usual, I'm going to ask you my final three questions, which are, would you recommend this to a friend? Yes. Would you watch it again? Yes. If there's a sequel, will you see the sequel? Yes. Okay, screaming endorsement, it sounds like to me. I've got nothing else on Malignant, unless you do. Same three questions, go. Uh, yeah, I'd recommend it to a certain friend. I probably wouldn't watch it again, and I will watch the sequel if you make me. Fair enough. So. <laughs> Good answers all. Uh, you want to go beer number two? Let's do it. All right. What are, we, beer, what are we drinking? Yeah. Beer number two. Second beer from Grains of Wrath. This is their last chance at redemption. Yeah. Yeah. This I, is I, Rips. I've got high hopes. Me too. Uh, check out the can. See if it says anything on there that we need to be aware of. Yeah. Let me read uh, you some stuff. It says, uh, first, the hops that are in this. They got Citra, Simcoe, Nelson. Sorry. Nelson's Havine, of course. Waimea and Rakao. Uh, I don't know if we said this, but it's a 6.2% IPA. And it says on the can, hop aromas and flavors of peach, pine, strawberry, and gummy bears. Underneath that, it says, don't be an asshole. Recycle. And it also says, we made this beer for you to enjoy fresh, which is my way of throwing it to you. What do you have? You said this one has a canning date. Um, What is the canning date and have you had a chance to pour yours yet? Yes, this one was canned 7.30. So just right before August. So... Uh, this one's about a month and two weeks old, give yes. or take. Yeah, so definitely more well, well more well fresh, good fresh, well, well fresh. yes, good, 
More well fresh. This episode Words is brought to you by More Well Fresh. It's a new meal prep kit shipped right to your door. Yeah. Have you tried More Well Fresh? And yeah. get it now. Discount. Use our discount yeah. code Fresh Hop Cinna. Shut up. Okay. Yeah. For fourteen meals free. <laughs> okay. Have you have you poured it or tried it? Yeah, and in good faith, I poured a hefty portion in my pint glass. I did too. I am pleased to say that this beer is significantly better, and it gives me a glimmering hope in my eyes, deep within my bowels, that maybe Grains of Wrath is a good brewery. Because this is the one that was like actually the manager's pick at Belmont Station, uh, to be fair. The other one was just an add-on so we could cover two from the same brewery. So this one was the featured beer there. Uh, Uh, And I, I do enjoy it. It is quite pleasant. Tell me about what the can looks like. Feels like your department. Uh, yeah, it is a giant saw blade in like a like, like a, a hacksaw. Pale, no, like a circular, like a circular uh, skill saw blade. Cool, cool. Uh, bl- flat black label with a giant like steel blue circular saw blade, and then you've got this giant skull with a big screaming open mouth with like glowing red eyes, and inside of his mouth is the same skull with another skull in his mouth. And then maybe looks like one more. There's so it's one like, more. Russian nesting Yes. Yeah, skulls on skulls on skulls on yeah. skulls. And this beer is called Ripsaw. So it's kind of like a, that's like a fun, scary looking beer label. I like it. Yeah, it's appropriate. Again, it's definitely appropriate with this movie. And, and possibly like you were saying, we're almost, we're not quite there. We're still, I'd say, granted you're a bigger Halloween fan, so this might be different for you. But I would say it starts getting to be spooky-ish season like October 8th. And I bet you're like September 21st. <laughs> No, like first week in September, October. You mean September? No. Yeah. Wow, you're insane. What do you? You're the reason that uh, <laughs> that uh, spirit stores open up so freaking early. Yeah, because you just go in there, you see it next to you know uh, big lots, and you're like, oh, we should go see what this is like. Oh, still just Man. shelves. All right, we'll come back in a week. Costco's already putting out like Christmas stuff. No, th- well, Christmas is different, sir. That is a that is a sacred holiday. You with your your pagan rituals and nonsense of Halloween. Yeah. Also, we're gonna have a good Halloween week this year. It's gonna yep. be like a good two episodes, I think, that'll be Halloween themed. Hell yeah! Uh, I digress. Obviously, uh, so this <laughs> beer is good. You like it? I do. I like it quite a bit. It's got like a nice punchy hop flavor. I'm definitely getting some of the tropical notes. Uh, plus, it's just—I mean, it's hard to not compare it to the the beer that was not great that yes. we just had. So, like. Just direct comparison to like this is the only beer I've had since then, and this one's way better. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's got a nice hoppiness balanced with moderate sweetness and tropical flavors with a, a dry bitter finish. It's it's really just a drinkable IPA. Yeah, it's super. Is I know we said it once, but I'll remind people it's six and a half percent, which is again for me that sort of perfect IPA sweet spot or hop spot, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. where where the alcohol flavor and, and probably effect in the long run isn't so overwhelming that it tends to, uh, that it becomes the the focal point. Nor is it so low in alcohol that you get some of the the flavors that are often there in like session IPAs, which I find a little bit off putting. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah, this is definitely has the potential for being a great beer to me. And I've had it and it's pretty good. It's super drinkable, like you're saying. It, there's a lot of sort of tropical sweetness there, but there is a hefty Hopness, hoppiness, a hefty hoppiness that is yeah. there throughout, it, which I enjoy too. And it's not so assertive. It's definitely not as assertive as looking at the label would make you think it is. Yeah, but it is right up front though. It's not pulling any punches. Like first taste is like zap. Some Agreed. hops. Yeah, and there's which like, I, go ahead. Sorry. Which I like. Yeah, the amount of hops that are in here, I think, like I said, there are one, two, three, four, five of them also runs the risk of being uh, getting getting muddied sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this does a good job not letting that happen. I agree. Do you taste any gummy bears? No, that seems like a bit of a reach, um, but that's fine. I also think that maybe strawberries, I don't know. I think that seems like they just picked random flavors from the hop descriptors and like, well, it probably tastes like all that combined, which is not necessarily how that works, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you really look for it, you might be able to say I can kind of taste strawberry a little bit, but it's definitely not something I would have picked out. No, no, me neither. But no. that's fine. I love strawberries, but I also like this beer quite a bit, so I won't hold it against the beer for not being totally like strawberries. Yeah. Now, if this said like strawberry ripsaw, I might be like, "Hey, man, no, don't call it strawberry ripsaw. Yeah. That doesn't taste like strawberries." But 
It's not like super as advert. It's not super advertised, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, can't hold. It I got against you. It. Yeah, I do like that name though. Strawberry rips off. That'd be a fun. I feel like a lot of fruits would go well with that as a prefix or as a suffix rather. Uh, and mm-hmm. they could do like a, a fruit adjunct. So you're like pineapple rip saw. That'd be great. That would be. It's like a way more metal way to say like blender because there's so yeah. many like smoothie <laughs> stuff. Right, right, Fuck right. your blender. We're going to mix this with a rip saw. Yeah, that's actually. What if they just did it with with a skill saw? That'd be pretty sweet. That's how they mashed up all their fruits. They're just cutting them in fruit, half. No, as but like they, fruit ninja th- style. Yeah, right exactly. Them is the tank like you toss them at them and they split around them and yeah, then totally. into the mash? That'd be great. that'd be dope. That'd be just awesome. That feels like something that Bob might do over at uh, at Hen House. <laughs> like I, you see those videos they put up? Uh uh-uh. No, they're great. They're, you just you know we don't even talk about Hen House now. This is about grains of wrath, but great beers all around. Uh, fuck that. I want to hear about Hen House. Well, they do like they do a couple videos sometimes where. Uh, like I think one was where they were, he was trying to drink one of their new beers. Our, our friend Bob over there, he opened a beer and then I think all the employees were like throwing, it might've been water balloons hmm. or if I dared to dream maybe beer balloons, but I can't be right. And they were just throwing, he would try to drink it and tell the viewers about the beer. That's amazing. Which feels like a TV show that would have been on in the movie idiocracy or something, but it was yeah. very entertaining. I'm not sure if it has more about me or the program itself, but either oh, I think way. That makes first, that's like the content I want out of like Instagram. Yeah, but isn't that kind of worrisome? No. A little? Because it's, all that shit's silly. It should be used for silly stuff. Well, that's probably true. I think, the, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's Let's like, the, it is like that show silliness. in Idiocracy, though, is I think the show, if you haven't seen Idiocracy, don't watch it now. You should have already seen it. It's too, <laughs> you can't start it now because it'll, it won't be funny. Um, no, it'll hurt too much yeah, if you watch it now. But there's a show in Idiocracy that a lot of the characters watch called Ouch My Balls. And it's just people getting hit in the nuts, and that's the show. And that's kind of what uh, what I've described feels like. Yeah, I'm sure Bob would appreciate that glowing yeah. recommendation. <laughs> I watched him. You know, it's good. We're talking about it now, so clearly you go. more it people are going to see it. We're talking about it. Exactly. All right, well, speaking of balls, how does this ripsaw make you feel? That's not even close to a segue, but all right, good. Um it makes me feel good. I enjoy this beer quite a bit. I've had, I don't know, maybe like six ounces of it, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm going to take one more drink to see if I can pick out anything I don't like. Is there anything you're not digging? Um, No, it's pleasant. I think the the longer it sits out and gets a li- just a couple degrees warmer, yeah. a little bit of the, that yeah. tropical presence is starting to come out a little bit more. I'm definitely getting some some melon vibes, which I'm really liking. Uh, no, it's a solid beer. It feels like... Like a seven five all day for me. Seven point five, yeah. It's it feels pretty not quite middle of the road. Certainly better than average, but nothing that's blowing my socks off. So yeah. I'm gonna land on a. Let me see. Let me talk this out if I need to. There's I agree with you on the melon thing, which isn't always a flavor I want when a beer starts to warm up, because that tends to just get worse over time. And we've only had this open for, you know, seven minutes or so. But, um. So I'm going to say that might be the only thing I don't love is the evolution of the flavor profile over a short amount of time, presumably getting worse the longer I give it. So I'm mm. going to go with the six. I still think it's better than average. I would drink it again. I'm going to finish what I have. It's tasty. Ripsaw, one and a half thumbs up for me. Nice. Very uh, good. Yeah, I think that's all I got on this. You got anything else? Um, no. Uh, shout out to Belmont Station for the beers. Uh, one was a bummer because it was too old. And when I go back up there, I'll... Complain, I guess. Yeah, I yeah, you. I will. probably won't. No, you I might. Of course, I'll not. just. No, now I just know. Like, there's nowhere I can go that dates are just blindly trusted. Yeah, people, people, people make mistakes and stuff they happens. Do. So whatever. But I think people far, are. Yeah, people are people. People are people. Why should it? Why? Why should it be? You wanna? Uh, you wanna hit some hot and bothered? Yeah. Thanks again, Grains of Wrath, for fifty percent awesome beers today. Hot and Welcome to Hot and Bothered, everybody. If you haven't joined us for a segment of Hot and Bothered before, it's the part of the show where we rest our weary heads and mouths from the discussions of film and craft beer, at least mandatorily. We still might talk about them, um, but we just kind of catch up. We we just talk about what's got us hot or excited or bummed out, a.k.a. bothered. I'm going to go first. It's something that you mentioned at the top of the show, my friend, which was our Patreon bar hang at our friend's place, The Handlebar. At our friend's place? At the handlebar where our friends are. That should be their slogan. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We got to get together. I think there were probably, what do you think, 10 of us? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Eight to 10. 
Um, got to hang out with a uh, longtime friend, new time patron, Ben Murray. I guess I won't spend time shouting out every single person that would get annoying, but it was great. We brought our little name tags for people that donate at whatever tier that is. And you get your first beer on us. So that was, it's always fun. It's always fun catching up and we got to see Trevor and Shelby before they leave. So just good times in general, a great thing to do on a Monday. If you ask me. Yeah, it was a blast. It was great catching up. Um, and I'm going to asterisk this with, uh, he asked for this, but stupid huh. Trevor with his dumb brain tumor. I'm uh, yeah. With his broken head. I'm glad he's not <laughs> dead, but I'm his glad he doesn't have a, have a malignant tumor back there. Yeah. Pretty dope that there's not a person growing out of the back of his head. Just that'd to, be worse. Pitu- just a pituitary tumor that made him cry a lot and just be way too sensitive. So, uh, you know, if you're gonna have a brain tumor, he got the right kind, but still pretty lame of him. So, you know, Get that sorted out, bud. Okay, now now, now, translate through your sarcasm for people that now just think you're a jerk. Oh, no. He asked me politely to please mock him profusely for having a brain tumor. Did he and really? I said, 100%. Absolutely. On our podcast, he asked for that. Yes. <laughs> Dude, if you can't laugh at shit like brain tumors with your friends, like you can't laugh about anything. Because yeah, fair enough. You take everything too seriously. You'll just be stressed out and then get a real brain tumor. So uh, all jokes aside, super happy that that was fully treatable and he'll be he's like 100 percent fine right yeah. now so yeah uh, that's the time you can make jokes and uh yeah so super pleased for that that was great news it was scary to hear about yeah but then like wait does this story like get better somewhere and it did so thank god yeah because so often that's not the case not just with with any type of tumor but to quote a movie that we never officially covered one of the the only takeaways from that film reminiscence with hugh jackman and uh, others was a quote and a girl is saying, I can't think of which actress it was, but one of the women in the movie was saying to huge Ackman, uh, tell me a, tell me a nice story. And he's like, there are no, uh, there are no, I think he says there are no nice stories. If you tell, tell me them, a story with a happy ending, tell me a story with a happy ending. There are no stories with happy endings. Uh, and she goes, well, just tell me a story and stop in the middle, which is very sad, but also like poetic and nice and sad. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. The point is the bar hang was fun. It was great yeah, to see everybody. It, Thanks for coming out. We appreciate obviously your support and obviously seeing you in person is always lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always great to catch up with everybody and share beers and have some, some fresh hop fellowship. I really enjoy those times. Yeah. You have a series of, I, I want to say acronyms in your hot and bottom yeah. this week. I always do my shit in code so you can't figure it out. Well, the first it, one's Mastodon. Yeah. Okay. Just cause that linked to YouTube video. I didn't click that yet. What else could oh. MSTDN stand for? Mastodon? I don't know. Mr. Dunn. Mist Dawn. Okay. What is, uh, what's new with Mastodon, if that's where you want uh, to start? So, yeah, they just dropped a new single. I linked it in our notes so you can play the, that under this if oh, you it's, want. Oh, it's just, playing. Yeah, they just dropped a single called Pushing the Tides off of their upcoming album, Hushed and Grim. Uh, it deals a lot with the death of their longtime manager and mm-hmm. dealing with COVID and isolation. So I expect this album to be super uh, introspective, a uh, little bit dark, pretty serious. Not unlike a lot of their other stuff, but they always write from personal experience. Uh, one of their albums was about the guitar, one of the guitar players' moms going through cancer. Oh, jeez! Uh, and it, they just wrote it all in metaphor, and it, it's it's really fascinating to like do deep dives on their records because they're all so steeped in real life experience and trauma, and they use their music as therapy to get it out and. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons that I love heavier music. It's just a healthy expression of unhealthy emotions. So uh, super stoked. The new song's called Pushing the Tides. Been listening to it a lot. And the record Hushed and Grim drops later this fall. So that's got me really hot this week. Love it. Also, football's back. That's that's consuming my Sundays and a lot of my free time playing sure. fantasy football with a bunch of my friends, including Nick Land who is the commissioner of one of the fantasy football leagues I'm in. And the new co-host of a fantasy football podcast called Fantasy on Draft. If you look it up, uh, actually, I don't know when they're putting it out for the public. So you probably, you might be able to look it up by now, but I'm not sure. But Fantasy on Draft, keep your ear balls open. That's right. And hit up Nick Land if you know him to find out when and where you can hear about that. With co-host Miyagi Pocock. That's right. I got a sneak preview of episode two. Brag about and uh, I dug it. It was really fun. It was informative. Lots of fantasy football talk. They were drinking beers from Great Notion. So uh, if you like this podcast and you lean towards liking football there or fantasy go. football, I think you would you'd be into it. Yeah. So uh, and last but not least, 
there has been a new development in my life, uh, and it's kind of taking over. Finally. And that Finally. is called the newsroom. Man. I've been waiting uh, Matt, years for this. Yeah. You've literally been recommending this for probably <laughs> a whole calendar year. No, more than that, uh, man. I've, been, I, we, I've recommended this to you when we did our top five TV shows on Patreon when we were down in my garage. Um, that had to be three years ago. You should pull that up and like let me know because I've been ignoring you for so long. But What else is uh, new? Yeah, I know. There's just so much content, and I don't necessarily trust you. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, but the newsroom is damn near perfect television. Mm. It is so well written. And Jeff Daniels' character is immediately like one of my favorite characters in television history. Like, he's so badass. I like, know. Ugh. I want to be more like him, but also not because people would call me a jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, that's a very specific work environment that he operates in yep. that, like, if you emulate that too much in your office, um, you would quickly become a pariah. And yes. it would not go well. No. But for, for television's <laughs> sake, he's super entertaining, and uh, I love everything about that show, and I highly, highly recommend it, just like Max did three years ago. Uh, don't be like me and ignore yeah. good advice for multiple years. It just so happened we were like between TV shows. We're like, let's put on an episode, see if Max's dumb face is ever right about anything. And I was very right. You were very right. How, which how you far are into season one are more you? More often than not, you are. Thank What's that? you. How far into season one are you? Uh, about three episodes into season two, sir. You are? Why, Why do you think I didn't come this week? I did not see you come play on Saturday, and that show is why. And fair this enough. is like me saying I'm sorry, but I'm not because it's yeah. your fault. No, that's fair. Your show started at seven, and we like finished an episode at six forty-five, and it was so fucking good. Which I'm one? Like, which one was it? Oh, it was episode two of no episode one of season two. So it's a season premiere. Oh, so you and got you like have, you got you're just now you're like Genoa. The hell's that? Yeah, Jenna was happening. And it was the whole oh, intro into that. And I'm just like, <laughs> nope. And like, dude, we watched the anniversary, the episode that dealt with the anniversary of 9-11. On the on, anniversary, yeah. Yep. On 9-11. Man. We were both just sitting there crying. Like, dude. Yeah. Oh, and when they broke the news to the pilots, I was I lost it. Dude, I, I yeah. When Don so says that, it's it's because he's so pissed off in that moment. He's like, he's trying to deliver the news. Like he wants to get the newsroom. And then like yeah. the way that Sorkin films that scene is like Don's anger drunk eyes like kind of drift to their stripes on their uniforms and like there's like this moment like this is little tiny eye of a hurricane where you get this calm god it's a good scene yeah. it's all good well, it's all dude, so good <laughs> it's all good but like that scene in that episode in particular yeah. especially being on 9-11 we watched it it was such a weird coincidence like yeah it was just waterworks dude i cried so much dude and, and then, then yeah uh, and then that episode ends with with obama's um in, informing the nation that 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 happened yeah. And I think that speaks to like a larger point of how relevant that show still is. Oh. Obviously that's so clear, but like everything they do is just like shit. Like that's still pertinent today, you know, 15 years later. Yeah. And to clarify, Obama was not announcing that 9-11 happened. It Correct. was announcing that we got uh, Osama bin Laden. I appreciate that clarification. Obviously that's what I meant. Yeah. No, that's fine. But long story long, that show is perfect and I can't wait to watch more of it. So thank you for the amazing recommendation. Yeah, it's on uh, it's on HBO Max. So if you if you happen to watch Malignant at home, you can also just click you know two things over, and then there's the newsroom. Arguably, Boom. I would I would put my head on the chopping block for probably one of the best opens in TV history with the model at Northwestern. Dude, the Fuck, first fifteen minute first fifteen minutes of that show, I'm like, well, I'm all on board for yeah. this shit. The thing that I all love is like it's so fundamentally badass and cool when you watch it. Right. But if, if someone were to describe to you the scenarios that unfold, it would just sound so nerdy, which it is, yeah. but like, it's also so cool. Like I want to go do the news now. Like right? I want to, I want to strive for that. Like I want to um, do something. Can I make uh, one more recommendation? Because I, the, uh, another show that has been recommended to me for a long time that I never paid much attention to, but I started watching because of the newsroom. On the West Wing. Uh, no, it's uh, the show with John Oliver on HBO Max. The uh, the uh, like yeah, last the, week tonight. Last or, week tonight. That's what it is. Yeah, dude, he's doing that. He's is he doing really? that news, but he's like swearing and like calling shit what it is, and he's ripping apart both sides. Dude, do you watch do you have the, thoughts watch on, that show on real real time with Bill Maher? I've never been a big Bill Maher guy. Okay, me neither. And I feel like some people compared sort of 
Jeff Daniels character on the newsroom to Bill Maher. I'm like Bill, mm. Bill Maher is about as extreme, uh, liberal. Left. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's just too much. It's like any, just meet somewhere in the middle. And what I love about the newsroom, I'm bringing it right back around, um, is that they contextualize his character and most of them as being in the middle, but they seem so far left because the, the other extreme is so intense that you're dragging the middle away from the middle. And it seems like it's on the fringe somehow, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And if we all just sort of just, you know, talk, I don't want to soapbox too hard, but like just talk and like be reasonable and listen to each other. We probably have more in common than we don't. So what the oh, fuck? You everybody? mean, <laughs> you mean have civil discourse that yeah. this country was founded upon and that's what the first amendment protects. Yeah. Let's try that. Let's listen to each other's ideas and be sensible. So where I was, I just watched the episode. I think it was episode four of season one. I didn't know you were going so at such a frenetic pace, right? I was going to try to keep up with you. Um, it went hard, son. Yeah. So I just watched, um, Oh, I wish I, Oh, it was called Amen. It was when the Arab spring was happening and, and, um, Elliot Hirsch was covering it and he got beat up on the streets and they lost their stringer. Uh, you remember this? And then Dev Patel was trying to give the thing on Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Great. That was Man. a great episode. Yeah. I think that might've been the yeah. one before with Dev Patel, but I can't remember. And then they had that Rudy moment at the end. No, that's, I think that that's actually episode five. I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. But, or but no, like I haven't the finished the episode. You're totally right. It is episode four. No, it's, yeah. It's at the end of that. That's how that episode ended. Man, that's just, a great moment. Yeah. Because because Will paid for it out of his pocket. Of to course get that he did. I rescued. know. Get him out of jail or whatever. Like, man, man. It's so good. It's so good. It's, we should do I, a newsroom eating, podcast. Dude, I'm eating it up with a spoon. I love Fuck. it. I'm going to watch it right it. now. It's crazy. We should uh, do it and just break down every episode on for Patreon. like an hour. Or just on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> just, they're just a new podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing beer Fresh movies. hop newsroom. Yeah. That'd be, man, that'd be fun. I love, I love the newsroom. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate the most about it, and then we'll get out of here, is how much it holds up and how relevant it is right fucking now. I just said that. Well, I agree with you. Okay, good. <laughs> it super is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you watch the newsroom, tell us. because, And if you watch the newsroom and you're like, I love it you will be good friends with us. Like we will get along really well. It's one of those shows. A hundred percent. Like if it hits you in a meaningful way, you and I will get along on a fundamental human level. Exactly. If it hits the chords in your heart that it hits in ours, we'll be just fine. Next week on the show, we have beers from Von Ebert out of Portland. We're watching our newly, but much anticipated Nick Cage film, not our film, but you know, Prisoners of the Ghostland uh, from director Shion Sono. Uh, who has been called the most subversive filmmaker working in Japanese cinema today based on another film he did called Love Exposure in 2008. It's going to be fucking weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I, like, it's just going to be. I'm, I'm also a little worried that we're not going to be able to watch it just like... Uh, yeah, Card Counter? The card Counter. I'm hoping. Yeah, sometimes these lists that we get our wide release schedules off of are not correct. But again, humans make mistakes. So we'll do what we can. But if you get a chance to see it, um, do so. It'll probably be... Something. I'm going to say good or weird. Good or weird. Hopefully good weird. I think it'll be fun. Um, it does say, at least on its Wikipedia page, I just, just looked it up, is that it does have uh, wide release in theaters and video on demand on September 17th. So even if it's not in our theater, maybe we can get it online. Let's hope. Um, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, all right. As usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our friends on Patreon, The Handlebar, and Johnny Summers. Or Max Minardi. He makes all this sound pretty, and we love him for it. And all bullshitting aside, he has excellent taste in movies and television. Thanks, buddy. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you listening. Tune in next week for another one of these. Bye. That's oh, Johnny, fine. your slogan. I'm sorry, your slogan. It's a sign-off, bruh. Call it what you will. I'm Will McAvoy. Good night.